Chapter twenty seven, part two of Hypatia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brandon Tannum. Hypatia by Charles Kingsley. Chapter twenty seven The Prodigal's Return. Part two. Hypatia started, for she recollected her yesterday's cravings after those old palpable and human deities. And, go on, she cried eagerly. Tell me then, this archetype of man, if it exists anywhere, it must exist eternally in the mind of God? At least Plato would have so said? Yes. And derive its existence immediately from him? Yes. But a man is one willing person unlike to all others yes then this archetype must be such i suppose so but possessing the faculties and properties of all men in their highest perfection of course how sweetly and obediently my late teacher becomes my pupil hypatia looked at him with her eyes full of tears i never taught you anything raphael you taught me most beloved lady when you least thought of it but tell me one thing more is it not the property of every man to be a son for you can conceive of a man as not being a father but not as not being a son be it so then this archetype must be a son also whose son raphael why not of zeus father of gods and men for we agreed that it we will call it he now having agreed that it is a person could owe its existence to none but god himself and what then said hypatia fixing those glorious eyes full on his face in an agony of doubt but yet as raphael declared to his dying day of hope and joy well hypatia and must not a son be of the same species as his father eagles says the poet do not beget doves is the word son anything but an empty and false metaphor unless the son be the perfect and equal likeness of his father heroes beget sons worse than themselves says the poet we are not talking now of men as they are whom homer zeus calls the most wretched of all the beasts of the field we are talking are we not of a perfect and archetypal son and a perfect and archetypal father in a perfect and eternal world wherein is neither growth decay nor change and of a perfect and archetypal generation of which the only definition can be that like begets its perfect like you are silent be so hypatia we have gone up too far into the abysses and so they both were silent for a while and raphael thought solemn thoughts about victoria and about ancient signs of isaiah's which were to him none the less prophecies concerning the man whom he had found because he prayed and trusted that the same signs might be repeated to himself and a child given to him also as a token that in spite of all his baseness god was with him but he was a jew and a man hypatia was a greek and a woman and for that matter so are the men of her school to her the relations and duties of common humanity shone with none of the awful and divine meaning which they did in the eyes of the converted jew awakened for the first time in his life to know the meaning of his own scriptures and become an israelite indeed and raphael's dialectic 
too, though it might silence her, could not convince her. Her creed, like those of her fellow philosophers, was one of the fancy and the religious sentiment, rather than of the reason and the moral sense. All the brilliant cloud-world in which she had revelled for years, cosmogenies, emanations, affinities, symbolisms, hierarchies, abysses, eternities, and the rest of it, though she could not rest in them, not even believe in them, though they had vanished into thin air at her most utter need, yet they were too pretty to be lost sight of for ever, and, struggling against the growing conviction of her reason, she answered at last, and you would have me give up, as you seem to have done, the sublime, the beautiful, the heavenly, for a dry and barren chain of dialectic, in which, for aught I know, for after all, Raphael, I cannot cope with you, I am a woman, a weak woman, and she covered her face with her hands. For aught you know, what? asked Raphael gently. You may have made the worse appear the better reason, so said Aristophanes of Socrates. But hear me once more, beloved Hypatia. You refuse to give up the beautiful, the sublime, the heavenly? What if Raphael Aben Ezra, at least, had never found them till now? Recollect what I said just now. What if our old, beautiful, and sublime, and heavenly had been the sheerest materialism, notions spun by our own brains out of the impressions of pleasant things and high things and low things and awful things which we had seen with our bodily eyes what if i had discovered that the spiritual is not the intellectual but the moral and that the spiritual world is not as we used to make it a world of our own intellectual abstractions or of our own physical emotions religious or other but a world of righteous or unrighteous persons what if i had discovered that one law of the spiritual world in which all others were contained was righteousness and that this harmony of that law which we called unspirituality was not being vulgar or clumsy, or ill-taught, or unimaginative, or dull, but simply being unrighteous. What if I had discovered that righteousness, and it alone, was the beautiful righteousness, the sublime, the heavenly, the godlike, I, God himself? And what if it had dawned on me, as by a great sunrise, what that righteousness was like? What if I had seen a human being, a woman, too, a young, weak girl, showing forth the glory and the beauty of God, showing me that the beautiful was to mingle unshrinking, for duty's sake, with all that is most foul and loathsome, that the sublime was to stoop to the most menial offices, the most outwardly degrading self-denials, that to be heavenly was to know that the commonest relations the most vulgar duties of earth were god's commands and only to be performed aright by the help of the same spirit by which he rules the universe that righteousness was to love to help to suffer for if need be to die for those who in themselves seem fitted to arouse no feelings except indignation and disgust what if, for the first time, I trust not for the last time, in my life, I saw this vision, and at the sight of it my eyes were opened, and I knew it for the likeness and the glory of God? 
what if i a platonist like john of galilee and paul of tarsus yet like them a hebrew of the hebrews had confessed myself if the creature can love thus how much more its archetype if weak woman can endure thus how much more a son of god if for the good of others man has strength to sacrifice himself in part god will have strength to sacrifice himself utterly if he has not done it he will do it or he will be less beautiful less sublime less heavenly less righteous than my poor conception of him ay than this weak playful girl why should i not believe those who tell me that he has done it already what if their evidence be after all only probability i do not want mathematical demonstration to prove to me that when a child was in danger his father saved him neither do i hear my reason my heart every faculty of me except this stupid sensuous experience which i find deceiving me every moment which cannot even prove to me my own existence accepts that story of calvary as the most natural most probable most necessary of earthly events assuming only that god is a righteous person and not some dream of an all-pervading necessary spirit nonsense which in its very terms confesses its own materialism hypatia answered with a forced smile raphael aben ezra has deserted the method of the severe dialectician for that of the eloquent lover not altogether said he smiling in return for suppose that i had said to myself we platonists agree that the sight of god is the highest good hypatia once more shuddered at last night's recollections and if he be righteous and righteousness be as i know it to be identical with love then he will desire that highest good for men far more than they can desire it for themselves then he will desire to show himself and his own righteousness to them will you make answer dearest hypatia or shall i or does your silence give consent at least let me go on to say this that if god do desire to show his righteousness to men his only perfect method according to plato will be that of calumny persecution the scourge and the cross that so he like glaucon's righteous man may remain forever free from any suspicion of selfish interest or weakness of endurance am i deserting the dialectic method now hypatia you are still silent you will not hear me i see at some future day the philosopher may condescend to lend a kinder ear to the words of her gracious debtor or rather she may condescend to hear in her own heart the voice of that archetypal man who has been loving her guiding her heaping her with every perfection of body and of mind inspiring her with all pure and noble longings and only asks of her to listen to her own reason her own philosophy when they proclaim him as the giver of them and to impart them freely and humbly as he has imparted them to her to the poor and the brutish and the sinful whom he loves as well as he loves her farewell stay said she springing up whither are you going to do a little good before i die having done much evil to farm plant and build and rescue a little corner of ormwood's earth as the persians would say out of the dominion of ahriman 
to fight Ausurian robbers, feed Thracian mercenaries, save a few widows from starvation, and a few orphans from slavery, perhaps to leave behind me a son of David's line, who will be a better Jew, because a better Christian, than his father. We shall have trouble in the flesh, Augustine tells us, but, as I answered him, I really have had so little thereof yet that my fair share may probably be rather a useful education than otherwise. Farewell. Stay, said she, come again, again, and her, bring her, I must see her. She must be noble indeed, to be worthy of you. She is many a hundred miles away. Ah, perhaps she might have taught something to me, me, the philosopher. You need not have feared me. I have no heart to make converts now. Oh, Raphael Aben Ezra, why break the bruised reed? My plans are scattered to the winds, my pupils worthless, my fair name tarnished, my conscience heavy with the thought of my own cruelty. If you do not know all, you will know it but too soon. My last hope, Synesius, implores for himself the hope which I need from him. And over and above it all, you, et tu, Brute, why not fold my mantle round me, like Julius of old, and die? Raphael stood looking sadly at her, as her whole face sank into utter prostration. Yes, come, the Galilean, if he conquers strong men, can a weak maid resist him? Come soon, this afternoon, my heart is breaking fast. At the eighth hour this afternoon? Yes, at noon I lecture, take my farewell, rather, forever of the schools. Gods, what have I to say? And tell me about him of Nazareth. Farewell. Farewell, beloved lady, at the ninth hour you shall hear of him of Nazareth. Why did his own words sound to him strangely pregnant, all but ominous? He almost fancied that not he, but some third person had spoken them. He kissed Hypatia's hand, it was as cold as ice, and his heart, too, in spite of all his bliss, felt cold and heavy as he left the room. As he went down the steps into the street, a young man sprang from behind one of the pillars and seized his arm. Ah, my young Corypheus of pious plunderers, what do you want with me? Philemon, for it was he, looked at him an instant and recognized him. Save her! For the love of God, save her! Whom? Hypatia! How long has her salvation been important to you, my good friend? For God's sake, said Philemon, go back and warn her. She will hear you. You are rich. You used to be her friend. I know you. I have heard of you. Oh, if you ever cared for her, if you ever felt for her a thousand part of what I feel, go in and warn her not to stir from home. I must hear more of this, said Raphael, who saw that the boy was in earnest. Come in with me and speak to her father. No, not in that house, never in that house again. Do not ask me why, but go yourself. She will not hear me. Did you, did you prevent her from listening? What do you mean? I have been here ages. I sent a note in by her maid, and she returned no answer. Raphael recollected then, for the first time, a note which he had seen brought to her during the conversation. I saw her receive a note. She tossed it away. 
tell me your story if there is reason in it i will bear your message myself of what is she to be warned of a plot i know that there is a plot against her among the monks and parabolani as i lay in bed this morning in arsenius's room they thought i was asleep arsenius has that venerable fanatic then gone the way of all monastic flesh and turned persecutor god forbid i heard him beseeching peter the reader to refrain from something i cannot tell what but i caught her name i heard peter say she that hindereth will hinder till she be taken out of the way and when he went out into the passage i heard him say to another that thou doest do quickly these are slender grounds my friend ah you do not know of what those men are capable do i not where did you and i meet last philemon blushed and burst forth again that was enough for me i know the hatred which they bear her the crimes which they attribute to her her house would have been attacked last night had it not been for cyril and i knew peter's tone he spoke too gently and softly not to mean something devilish i watched all the morning for an opportunity of escape and here i am will you take my message or see her what god only knows and the devil whom they worship instead of god raphael hurried back into the house could he see hypatia she had shut herself up in her private room strictly commanding that no visitor should be admitted where was theon then he had gone out by the canal gate half an hour before with a bundle of mathematical papers under his arm no one knew whither imbecile old idiot and he hastily wrote on his tablet do not despise the young monk's warning i believe him to speak the truth as you love yourself and your father hypatia stir not out to-day he bribed a maid to take the message upstairs and passed his time in the hall in warning the servants but they would not believe him it was true the shops were shut in some quarters and the museum gardens empty people were a little frightened after yesterday but cyril they had heard for certain had threatened excommunication only last night to any christian who broke the peace and there had not been a monk to be seen in the streets the whole morning and as for any harm happening to their mistress impossible the very wild beasts would not tear her said the huge negro porter if she was thrown into the amphitheatre whereat a maid boxed his ears for talking of such a thing and then by way of mending it declared that she knew for certain that her mistress could turn aside the lightning and call legions of spirits to fight for her with a nod what was to be done with such idolaters and yet who could help liking them the better for it at last the answer came down in the old graceful studied self-conscious handwriting it is a strange way of persuading me to your new fate to bid me beware on the very first day of your preaching of the wickedness of those who believe it i thank you but your affection for me makes you timorous i dread nothing they will not dare did they dare now they would have dared long ago as for that youth to obey or to believe his word even to seem aware of his existence were shame to me henceforth because he is insolent enough to warn me therefore i will go fear not for me you would not wish me for the first time in my life to fear for myself i must follow my destiny i must speak the words which i have to speak 
above all i must let no christian say that the philosopher dared less than the fanatic if my gods are gods then they will protect me and if not let your god prove his rule as seems to him good raphael tore the letter to fragments the guards at least were not gone mad like the rest of the world it wanted half an hour of the time of her lecture in the interval he might summon force enough to crush all alexandria and turning suddenly he darted out of the room and out of the house quem deus vult perdere cried he to philemon with a gesture of grief stay here and stop her make a last appeal drag the horses heads down if you can i will be back in ten minutes and he ran off for the nearest gate of the museum gardens on the other side of the gardens lay the courtyard of the palace there were gates in plenty communicating between them if he could but see orestes even alarm the guard in time and he hurried through the walks and alcoves now deserted by the fearful citizens to the nearest gate it was fast and barricaded firmly on the outside terrified he ran on to the next it was barred also he saw the reason in a moment and maddened as he saw it the guards careless about the museum are reasonably fearing no danger from the alexandrian populace to the glory and wonder of their city or perhaps wishing wisely enough to concentrate their forces in the narrowest space had contented themselves with cutting off all communication with the gardens and so converting the lofty partition wall into the outer enceinte of their marble citadel at all events the doors leading from the museum itself might be open he knew them every one every hall passage statue picture almost every book in that vast treasure-house of ancient civilization he found an entrance hurried through well-known corridors to a postern through which he and orestes had lounged a hundred times their lips full of bad words their hearts of worst thoughts gathered in those records of the fair wickedness of old it was fast he bet upon it but no one answered he rushed on and tried another no one answered there another still silence and despair he rushed upstairs hoping that from the windows above he might be able to call to the guard the prudent soldiers had locked and barricaded the entrances to the upper floors of the whole right wing lest the palace court should be commanded from thence whither now back and whither then back round endless galleries vaulted halls staircases doorways some fast some open up and down trying this way and that losing himself at whiles in that enormous silent labyrinth and his breath failed him his throat was parched his face burned as with the simoom wind his legs were trembling under him his presence of mind usually so perfect failed him utterly he was baffled netted there was a spell upon him was it a dream was it all one of those hideous nightmares of endless pillars beyond pillars stairs above stairs rooms within rooms changing shifting lengthening out forever and forever before the dreamer narrowing closing in on him choking him was it a dream was he doomed to wander forever and forever in some palace of the dead to expiate the sin which he had learnt and done therein his brain for the first time in his life began to reel 
he could recollect nothing but that something dreadful was to happen and that he had to prevent it and could not where was he now in the little by-chamber he had talked with her there a hundred times looking out over the pharos and the blue mediterranean what was that roar below a sea of weltering yelling heads thousands on thousands down to the very beach and from their innumerable throats one mighty war-cry god and the mother of god cyril's hounds were loose he reeled from the window and darted frantically away again whither he knew not and never knew until his dying day and philemon sufficient for the chapter as for the day is the evil thereof. End of chapter 27